Hello and welcome to the Deception Tips Podcast, where you will learn amazing cues to detect deceit that will help you read people like never before. I'm your host, Spencer Kaufman. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to Deception Tip episode number 83. Last week we had a very interesting conversation or discussion, one-way talk. Really, I was talking, you were listening. Uh, We talked about how you should begin your interrogations or how you should use your interrogations to get more responses. Now, not only interrogations, but we're talking interactions with people in which you need some information. So even though it may not be the stereotypical interrogation where you sit someone down on the other side of a steel table, handcuff them down, put them in a chair, and you're on the other side pacing around, or you're behind them or moving or whatever, trying to figure out what really happened. No. This can be in any instance where you have a few questions that you need to have answered from someone. So what you do is, just like we talked about last week, is start some sentences with the word you, and you can end them with suggestions or questions. What does that look like? Well, there are a variety of different ways, but in reality, it's really simple. You did this, and then what? You went down to the park last night at 10 o'clock, then what happened? Things like that. Start them out with you, kind of insinuate something, and then allow them to finish the story. In addition, you can use suggestions such as, you flew off the handle, things got out of control, and someone wound up dead, and you were, you know, something like that. You can really kind of accuse them directly of whatever it is that you need to find out. So you just got a little carried away, and all of a sudden, the merchandise was in your pocket, and you walked out the store. And you can accuse them of these things to get them to kind of fess up. Remember, it's a little bit of a play on accusing them of larger crimes to get them to admit to the smaller crimes. And we talked about that before in an earlier deception tip. I encourage you to go back, check them out, and remember or listen to that one as well. In case you don't remember, that was episode number 26, conveniently titled, Accusing Liars. Anyway, today we've got another tip, no surprise. This one is a general statement. It is something that you must use in all of your questioning and interrogation techniques. You should always use it in general. This should just be a regular part of your speech and vocabulary. This is a method that should kind of become part of your nature. It it really is the simplest way. It's like a yes or no question. Well, it can either be yes or no. It doesn't get any easier than that. It's cut and dry. So this is a method or a behavior, it's a characteristic that you must display and that will really help you to find out what you want to know and really hone in and get the answers you're looking for. We're talking about being precise. It's very important that you make sure you know what you're asking and also make sure that whoever you're asking knows what you're asking. Your questions need to be clear and direct. They cannot be wayward and all around, and you need to have a mix. you got to have some open-ended questions and some closed-ended questions. You need to have a well-rounded interrogation technique or questioning technique, and it needs to be very clear 
what you are trying to find. So here it is. This is deception tip number 83. Be precise in your questioning. Liars love to find loopholes and hidden meanings in your questions. Here it is again, deception tip 83. Be precise in your questioning. Liars love to find loopholes and hidden meanings in your questions. Liars love to find these hidden meanings. When they lie, they're already being deceptive. Therefore, they are trying to get away with something. Remember, they're under a tremendous amount of stress and tension. They're anxious. They have a huge battle going on inside them. Remember, that conscious and that unconscious are fighting back and forth. Which one wants the truth? The unconscious. The unconscious is pushing hard to leak the truth at every chance it gets. The conscious is more self-serving and it really wants to get away with the lie. So those two are fighting head to head. There's all this animosity and tension boiling up inside someone. Remember, they're also thinking about getting the lie right because they want you to believe the lie. In addition, they're really worried about getting caught. What's the consequence if someone finds out what they did? Then, what's the consequence if someone finds out they're lying about what they did? Now there's a double consequence. Not only are they going to get in trouble for lying, but they're also going to get in trouble for the behavior that they were lying about. In addition, they're trying to convince themselves of the lie because it's a lie. So they're trying to go over and over and over in their head, rehearsing it, practicing, making sure that they can get away with this. They want to believe it themselves. Then they want someone else to believe it. Not only do they need you to believe it, but they also need to have everyone else around you believe it. Whoever else they tell, they need to make sure they remember that story. It could be their friend. It could be their coworker. It could be the police. It could be whoever they need to lie to, the really one that matters, whoever's interrogating or questioning them. So there are a lot of people that need to believe that lie. The stress, the tension is immense. Not only that, but they cannot forget that lie. They have to remember it forever. It's just so much to handle. It can be overwhelming, and it is overwhelming. Therefore, behavioral leakage things happen. In addition, when you're questioning them, a liar who may not be fully convinced or who wants to kind of dodge things will make sure to take advantage of any questions that aren't that great, such as evading them or answering them differently, such as, tell me where you were last night. Well, I was at home. Okay, well, good. But you didn't say when. I was only at home for five minutes last night, but I was out for the rest of the night, and I didn't get home until 5 a.m. the next morning. So you could miss all of that. Make sure your questions are very precise and specific. Where were you last night between the hours of 10 p.m. and midnight? Okay, now we're talking. You honed it in. You honed it down. You got specific and precise. Because if someone is really trying to get away with something, and if they are good, they will find every loophole. They will answer your questions evasively, and they will talk with information that you do not know if it's good or bad or what it is, especially if someone has been trained in interrogations or counter-interrogations or anything like that. If they have been taught how to successfully give what I like to call non-answers. So it's answering the question, but it's not really an answer. 
and I am phenomenal at this. You just ask anyone that knows me, and they'll say that Spencer is the best person to change subjects or evade questions or answer people and satisfy their curiosity, and then by the end of the conversation, they didn't find anything out. All right, there are a lot of people out there like, well, not a lot out there like that, but there are some, so be aware of them. And we're going to talk a lot more about how you can answer your questions and phrase your questions and really get the truth out of people coming up right after this. Want to be a lie spotter but don't have time to do the research? Check out Spencer Kaufman's Deception Tips blog and learn how to detect deception. You'll be an expert at detecting lies. That's SpencerKaufman.com. Welcome back to Deception Tip episode number 83 where we are talking about how important it is for you to be precise in your questioning. You need to be specific. You need to have really narrowed down, honed in questions that do not allow a lot of room for evasiveness or extra answers. Now keep in mind that you still need to have open-ended questions which allow people to give you a verbal response. It's a long narrative response. Tell me about what happened the other day. Something like that. Tell me about your family or what's your home life like. Things like that that allow people to talk and get them to volunteer more information. That's an open-ended question. A close-ended question, we've talked about them before, that's like a yes or a no question. How are you doing today? Good. Where were you last night? Home. Things like that that are very close-ended. Or stuff like, are you wearing a blue shirt today? Yes or no. It's a yes or no question. Those are closed-ended. They do not allow a lot of room for the person to explain or to expand on the answer. You need to have a combination of all of those questions. In addition, when you're asking more open-ended questions, you need to make sure they're specific. Because if you ask a general open-ended question, someone could run away with it for a very long time and just talk and talk and talk, but really you didn't need all of that information. You were looking for some specific information. At times, it can be good to allow them to talk on that because maybe they don't know what you're looking for. Then you allow them to talk and you sift through whatever they said to find what you're looking for. Other times, you may need to be specific. Where were you last night between 8 p.m. and 10 p.m.? Boom. Specific. Those types of questions really allow the person you're asking to give a direct, definite answer. You need to make sure that you are precise in those. And keep in mind the loopholes. Liars are always looking for loopholes and ways around the question. Things like, you know, what do you do for a living? As little as possible. Okay, that was a great answer, and you might get a chuckle out of it, and some people might be satisfied with it. They might say, yeah, me too, you know, I, I try to do this, and then all of a sudden they're talking. You can see this a lot. In fact, practice it with other people. When someone asks you a question, you can do this. Someone says, well, what do you do for a living, Ken? Well, I try to do as little as possible. Then the guy who asked the question, ha-ha, yeah, me too. As a matter of fact, last week, boom, 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 on and on, and pretty soon they're telling you about their job, and you didn't even answer their question, and now you're on to the next topic without them even knowing it. A non-answer. Those happen all the time, and you need to be careful about those, because most people, and I'm going to say 80% 
of the people are like the person who asked Ken the question right there. What do you do for a living? As little as possible. Boom, and then they jump on it, and now they give the whole story about their situation at work last week, and they forgot their question. And now nothing got answered. But did it matter in that instance? No. But if they were trying to find the truth, they just shot themselves in the head because they did not get it. And 80% of the people are like that. So you need to make sure if you're asking people questions, have a direct and a clear focus in mind. Do not let them give you a non-answer. If they give you a non-answer, rephrase the question and ask it again. And keep coming back to it. You need to have that clear agenda. If you don't have that agenda, you are going to get lost because they are going to fill you with so much stuff and so many answers that you're going to forget what you were asking in the beginning and then you're going to leave there and be like, wow, that was a good conversation. It lasted two hours. I got a lot of information. You're going to go back and look at all this information and you're going to be like, I didn't get the information I wanted because they ran you around the rosemary bush time and time again and you continued to talk and ask different questions and you didn't have an agenda. Therefore, make sure you are very precise and specific. Even if you're asking open-ended questions and closed-ended questions, you need to know what you want out of that situation, what you're looking for in that interrogation or whatever it is. You need to have that outlined. And then you can allow your questioning to kind of point down that road. Even if you take some scenic routes or a detour, you need to always be coming back to your focus point. What are you hoping to learn? Again, you can use a combination of questions, but be on the lookout for those non-answers, those evasive questions, because that's something that a lot of people will give you, especially when they're lying. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Well, I love ice cream. It's so good. I really like a lot of the different flavors. Which one do you like? Oh, I love chocolate. It's really, oh, great. Where do you get it? And now, now all of a sudden, who's asking the questions? They just turned the tables on you, and now you're responding to their questions. It happens all the time. You saw how flawlessly that transition was? You can notice this in other people's conversations and in your own. And people who are really good at speaking, the silver tongues out there, they are phenomenal at switching the tables on you and at getting you to start answering more questions than you really wanted to ask the questions. Again, like I said, you talk to anyone I know, and they'll tell you that I'm a master at it. You need to pay attention to that. Listen for those people. Watch out for them, and make sure, again, that you have that clear agenda in your questioning so that you know that you're going to make it to whatever answer you need. I want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Deception Tips podcast. I hope that you'll share it with your friends, subscribe to the feed, check out the Deception Tips videos, the blog, and take a look at the books I have available. And as always, tune in next week for a new Deception Tip.